Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Monday, June 11th, 2018. Today, Snapchat, ClearChats, and Facebook's memories come at social media from entirely different philosophical viewpoints. Headlines from the ramp-up to E3, new Apple Watch rumors, an analysis of the scooter economy, and do those on-screen fingerprint scanners work well? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Some of you might know that E3, the gaming industry's big comfab, is this week. And so the news and announcements are starting to come fast and furious. As I teased last week, it seems that the word of the day is streaming. Microsoft revealed at a press conference over the weekend that it is working on a streaming gaming service that could premiere in the next few years. The announcement came from Phil Spencer, who heads up Microsoft's gaming division, and who said, quote, our cloud engineers are building a game streaming network to unlock console gaming on any device, end quote. But that doesn't mean that Microsoft is ready to abandon hardware consoles just yet. Spencer also said that Microsoft is deep into architecting the next Xbox console and that hardware can still deliver gaming advancements. Quote, our experts in Microsoft research are developing the future of gaming AI, so the worlds and characters we enjoy will be more rich and more immersive, end quote. Microsoft also announced that it was purchasing the game studios Undead Labs, Playground Games, Ninja Theory, and Compulsion Games. As TechCrunch's Lucas Matney said, this will add considerable heft to Microsoft's first-party game development program. Microsoft had seen so much criticism of the lack of prestige titles when the Xbox One launched that some went so far as to suggest that Microsoft would, or maybe should, get out of gaming entirely, that their heart wasn't in it. But with these purchases, we can see Microsoft doubling down on gaming. The studios will come under the umbrella of the Microsoft Studios brand, which already contains Halo Maker 343 Industries and the Minecraft team. The news of these game studio purchases came after EA announced that it is testing a multi-device HD game streaming service. The service is not yet ready for general consumption and no word on when it might debut. The company also announced Origin Access Premier, a $14.99 a month tier for its subscription gaming program that will offer access to some pretty major titles including Madden 19, FIFA 19, and Battlefield 5. What we can see in all of these headlines are the trends that we touched on last week. In the universe of screens that we all carry around, the gaming companies want you to soon be able to game on whatever screen you have at hand with no loss of complexity or graphics quality. Streaming will allow this to happen, but to get to this nirvana, serious bandwidth and delivery issues need to be overcome, lest games suffer from latency and lag issues. And as much of the overall software industry has moved to the cloud and subscription model, for the last several years, the gaming companies have been trying hard to abandon the outdated model of paying every year to get a new shrink-wrapped physical disc 
that you have to shove into a console slot. Half of a game's functionality is delivered over over the air updates at this point anyway. So if the gaming companies can just deliver everything by download to begin with, why then not subscribe and get everything Netflix style instead of ponying up each time a new version of FIFA or Madden comes out. Snapchat is of course a service built on the idea of messages that disappear after you send them instead of haunting you the rest of your life like a digital albatross. So in a way this kind of strikes me as a case of you mean you couldn't already do that? But Snapchat today unveiled a new feature that it is calling Clear Chats, which lets users delete Snapchat messages even after sending them, whether in individual or group chats. You can delete the content regardless of whether it's been viewed or saved by the recipient. So if you've sent a message that you come to regret, you can proactively erase it. Previously, messages would only self-destruct after everyone had read them. To throw a message down the memory hole now, simply go to the message in question or conversation and long press on the message and tap delete. Now, the person or persons in the group chat with you will be notified that you've deleted something, and if someone has read it, they still could obviously grab a quick screenshot or something, and there's nothing you can do, but at the very least, this will allow you to have the option to save yourself some embarrassment if you have second thoughts on something you sent impulsively. If you're quick enough, no one will ever know what you originally sent. P.S. on Snap, the second-generation Snap Spectacles have shown up on Amazon in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., if you'll recall, with version 1 of Spectacles, they were only available in kiosks in select cities at the very beginning. And up until this point with version 2, they were only available for sale on the dedicated Spectacles website. But now, if you want, you can order some Spectacles and get them with Prime 2-day shipping. And the Spectacles are reportedly coming to Amazon websites in other European countries soon. In what is serendipitously a mirror image story that came out just an hour or so after the previous one about Snapchat, Facebook today announced a new section called Memories. You know that um, on this day feature that shows you a picture from that time you took your dog to the beach seven years ago? So now there's an entire section for those sorts of memories. There's really nothing new here, no new content, just those memories posts all in a specific section. And there's even a subsection for those friendiversary posts that Facebook loves so much. This is clearly part of Facebook's time well spent initiative, which is trying to get people to post more, but also to engineer it to make people feel good when they come away from using Facebook. Pleasant, happy memories. Obviously, this is in direct philosophical contradiction to a feature like Clear Chats. Facebook wants you to remember, and they want you to remember urgently. Snapchat wants you to post and forget. You can find the Memories section either on the top left of the newsfeed on Facebook's desktop app or in the More tab at the bottom right of the mobile app. Over the weekend, Fast Company was reporting that touch-sensitive solid-state buttons that make use of the Taptic engine to simulate clicks are coming to the Apple Watch either this year or next year. This would mean replacing the physical button on the side of the Apple Watch and possibly also the digital crown with the sort of fake touch sensation. You know, how if you force touch your iPhone or press on the home button now, it feels like you've actually pressed a button when in actuality there's nothing moving. The Taptic engine just makes you think you've pressed. Why do this? Well, if you get rid of moving parts, that's one less thing that can, you know, break. 
And it would also help with things like water resistance and freeing up more space for batteries in the Apple Watch. But according to Fast Company's Mark Sullivan, this could also give the Apple Watch more health sensor capabilities. Quote, Apple has also been working on using the top of the buttons as sensors to gather health-related data, such as heart rhythms. The heart rate sensor on the back side of the watch does this through direct contact with the skin, but some types of measurements require more than one point of contact with the user's skin. The top of either of the new solid-state buttons could provide that, end quote. Long-term, Sullivan says Apple wants to do away with all physical buttons on the watch because... Johnny Ive. Of course, not only don't we know if this move will come to the next version of the Apple Watch, we don't even know if we'll get a new Apple Watch this year. As I said after that hardware announcement-free WWDC, either we're going to get a jam-packed phone announcement this year, or we're due for a sort of in-betweener hardware event, or lots of people, fans of iPhone SEs, iPad minis, and MacBook Airs, are in for a year of serious disappointment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Recently, the world learned the power of artificial intelligence, a technology cybersecurity leaders have been leveraging for years. Now, as AI expands and evolves, those same security leaders are left wondering where humans fit into the next generation of AI-empowered security tools and solutions. Arctic Wolf, the industry leader in managed security operations, seeks to answer this question in their newly published report, The Human-AI Partnership. Access the insights of over 800 cybersecurity decision makers in North America and the United Kingdom to better understand how organizations are weighing the benefits and risks of deploying AI tools. Uncover the biggest obstacles to turning AI and human engineers into a formidable team. Discover why the near-term benefits of large language models are being upended by a crucial flaw in the technology. And learn what the rise of AI tools mean for human practitioners moving forward. Get your copy today at arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. That's arcticwolf.com slash techmeme. Regular listeners will know that I'm obsessed with this sort of mini bubble for electric scooters that's just in its opening stages. And you might remember last week we spoke a lot about Uber and Lyft and others making acquisitions in the space and the related bike-sharing space to create a sort of comprehensive on-demand transportation-as-a-service ecosystem that has every possible niche covered. 
And you guys know I bow down to Ben Thompson at Stratechery as one of the smartest guys around to analyze these sorts of things. So allow me to point you to this piece that Ben did this morning titled The Scooter Economy. Toward the end of this piece, he has a couple of graphs that will make all of the above remarks make so much more sense. Quote, what remains underappreciated is habit. Your typical tech-first adopter may have no problem checking multiple apps to catch a quick ride, but I suspect most riders would prefer to use the same app they already have on their phone. To that end, there is certainly a strong impetus for Bird and Lime to spread to new cities simply to get that first app installed advantage. But this is where Uber has the biggest advantage of all, the millions of people who already have the Uber app. To that end, I thought Uber's acquisition of jump bikes was a good idea, and scooters should be next. An acquisition of Bird or Lime may already be too pricey, but jump has a strong technical team and should be able to get an Uber equivalent out the door soon. The Uber app already handles multiple kinds of rides. It is a small step to handling multiple kinds of transportation, a smaller step than installing yet another app, end quote. In the piece, he points to a breakdown of basically scooter business unit economics that I saw a while ago and will really help you to understand why this is suddenly a thing that VCs are willing to throw hundreds of millions of dollars at. Links to both of these pieces in the show notes. Something else to put on your radar real quick. A federal judge is expected to rule tomorrow afternoon, Tuesday, on AT&T's proposed merger with Time Warner in an $85 billion deal. Why is this something to keep an eye on? Because depending on how this ruling shakes out, a bunch of other huge deals might see their fortunes change. CVS's bid for Aetna, Disney and 21st Century Fox, Comcast's attempt to block the Disney and 21st Century Fox deal, and especially T-Mobile's proposed merger with Sprint. According to the New York Times, this is, quote, one of the most influential antitrust cases in decades, enthralling Hollywood, Silicon Valley, and Madison Avenue. If the merger is blocked, some executives are likely to slim down their deal aspirations. If the deal ends up going through, expect a cascade of mergers and acquisitions. It could have a collateral effect on every other transaction, said Blair Levin, an advisor to New Street Research and a former chief of staff at the Federal Communications Commission. End quote. The case will be decided in United States District Court in Washington. The Justice Department has argued that the merger would hurt consumers. AT&T and Time Warner say they need the merger in order to compete with, who else? Netflix. And it will be decided by Richard J. Leon, a judge appointed by George W. Bush. Many observers expect that the deal will go through because of a history of similar deals that were allowed. But even if approved, what sort of conditions might the judge impose? When Comcast merged with NBC Universal, more than 100 conditions were placed on the combined companies. And if this deal is blocked, might that mean a more aggressive Justice Department at least through the end of this administration? We're going to find out tomorrow. Let's end today on a review. You might remember last week me talking about a new Huawei flagship phone that will feature an in-display fingerprint sensor. There's also a similar phone coming from Xiaomi with a fingerprint sensor on the screen to unlock the phone. But the first phone to actually arrive with this new technology is the Vivo X21. 
So do in-display fingerprint sensors actually work well? The Verge's Sam Bifford says yes. Now, you might not be familiar with Vivo, especially if you're here in the U.S., but it's got sizable market share in the smartphone markets of China and India. And with this X21 phone, Vivo is pushing hard to differentiate itself. Here's how the fingerprint sensor works, at least according to Bifford. The X21, quote, has no visible fingerprint sensor at all, at least until you pick it up. The in-display scanning technology only works with OLED screens. It has to be able to light up your finger and an LCD's backlight would get in the way, which allows Vivo to pull off some neat tricks to highlight the sensor. When you pick up the phone, it automatically lights up a stylized fingerprint icon over the sensor area. And if you wake it by pressing the sleep button, that same icon will be brighter than the rest of the screen. Once your finger is registered, you unlock the phone the same way you would on any other. Just hold your thumb down and wait. It's definitely a little slower than more recent fingerprint scanners, to be sure. You can't unlock the phone just by tapping the icon as if it were a button. Instead, you'll have to wait half a second or so as a techie animation spreads across the screen. Sometimes it feels faster, sometimes it feels slower. It's always fast enough to be tolerable, but never so fast that you don't notice the difference, end quote. Overall, Bifford said the unlock feature was reliable, and he much preferred to use his finger to unlock his phone rather than his face. Ironically, the only time he had trouble getting the unlock technology to work was in direct sunlight, which is what also seems to stymie Apple's Face ID as well. It was a weirdly disjointed news day today. Maybe everybody's got World Cup fever like I have and they're just counting down the days. I've been your host for the Tech Meme Ride Home, Brian McCullough. Follow me on Twitter, at BrianMCC. Thanks for the flood of good reviews on Apple Podcasts, everybody. Much appreciated.